Hello, 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 next level people. Today is episode four of five of Veterans Week, and we are going to be diving into the story of my friend, Rich Cardona. Regardless of whether you're a veteran or not, I want you to listen to this entire episode because the truth that we talk about in this episode and what Rich has learned about himself is something that transcends just beyond, not just, far beyond just veterans. The conversation we have should be taken to heart by anyone that wants to live truly happy as who they are truly meant to be. Real quick, just a quick snapshot of who Rich is. He enlisted in the Marines, planned on getting out at the end of four years, but because of 9-11, ended up re-enlisting and stayed a total of 17 years. He did all the things that he thought he was quote-unquote supposed to do. He got his MBA from USC. He got the right jobs and even tried the, to play the political game at one of the biggest companies on the planet, but ended up realizing that even with an amazing salary and a big house and his financial advisor telling him to just stick it out, he just couldn't do it anymore. So what did he do? He struck it out on his own, attempting to find out who he really is and what he really wants through an entrepreneurial endeavor called Flyby Media. And just a week before this episode aired, he had a life-changing conversation with Gary Vaynerchuk about his personal truth. And so like I said, you're going to want to listen to this entire episode because it just might change your life too. And now, let's get this show on the road. Hey everybody and welcome back to another episode of Next Level People. I am on today with the one and only Rich Cardona. He is he's an awesome dude. Uh, I've gotten to know him over the last couple months. He and his wife are just amazing people. Uh, he is a marine vet and has transitioned when when did you when did you exit uh 2015 um august 1st was my retirement okay. all right yeah he he was in the marines for almost what 15 uh, seven, years 17 i did 17 yep. 17 okay he was in there for a while <laughs> and uh, so obviously that that became his identity and we're going to talk about, obviously, his transition period, what he learned through that, and how he got direction, because uh, coming out of that, when you've been in it for 17 years into a civilian life, uh, is, as you can imagine, it's it's a little bit more than just a career change. Uh, it's a, a paradigm shift of how you do things and what you look at, and uh, he's he's gone through some stuff, and so we want to just kind of get his his take on it. He just spoke at Deloitte University to a large group of uh, veterans, and we're going to hopefully glean some of that fresh knowledge from him, but I'm super excited to have him on. Rich, thanks so much for, for joining me today. Thank you, man. I really appreciate it, and uh, I'm excited to help in any way I can, and I'm, I'm glad you're uh, branching out to like do something like this. I, I mean, like I'm glad it means a lot to you, and I know you're yeah. just a really selfless person. Uh, so it's it's really awesome to try and help and collaborate like this. Yeah, no, it's it takes much more than just me, and that's why I love 
people like you that are willing to come on and actually make a difference uh, because I, I have a very limited knowledge of most things. So getting someone like you on here is awesome. Yeah. Um, so first of all, I mean, let's talk a little bit about why mm-hmm. you joined the military in the first place. Why did you get into the Marines? <laughs> um I was, for lack of a better term, a total shithead. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds familiar. I don't know. It seems... I mean, dude, I was just, like, ridiculous, man. Uh, I I think I was a junior in high school. I was drinking. I was smoking weed. I mean, like, all the time. And and I worked. So it was cool. Uh, Somehow I was able to do that, too. I mean, it was just crazy. But as a junior, I realized, I was like, there's just no way college is happening. Like, there's yeah. just no way. Yeah. Not, not to mention, my parents probably couldn't afford it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it just, instinctually, I was just like, there's just no fucking way this is happening. Yeah, yeah. So so uh, I decided to talk to a recruiter, a Marine recruiter. And I mean... That was he, your first mistake right there. <laughs> he was, uh, it was so funny. Uh, I'll, I'll never forget. But yeah, he was, he was a very, very good salesman. And I'll, I'll tell you what he said. He the, the thing that sold me. He goes, uh, let's just say there's a hostage situation. I'm like, I was like, dude, I'm like 16 years old. <laughs> situation at this house. He goes, Army's going through the the front. He goes, the Navy's going through the back. He goes, the Air Force something. He goes, the Marines are coming through the roof. I'm like, what? Like, okay. <laughs> and I was, I'm like, that. That's like, uh, sure. So yeah, man, uh, I, I signed up for this thing called the delayed entry program, which means I was kind of committed. Um, so as a junior, um, I, I did that, and then I knew my entire senior year that you know I would be going into the service uh, not long after graduation. Mm-hmm. And then um, that was it, man. Like it was my very first self-aware moment, uh, I, I think. And I mean, it was the best decision I ever made. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's that's awesome, and I love I love the the story of how you got into the Marines because had I been had I so I I really was like I'm not gonna pass the drug test because I I was like right at the I I was basically gonna sign the papers and everything like that and I was like I, I'm not gonna pass the drug test like yeah. I'm gonna be found out kind of thing because my my brother actually I forget how far along in the process he was, he was like past signing papers and they're like, Oh, sorry, you didn't pass the drug test. Uh, and so like fast forward a few years later, I was like at the same part. I was like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be found out. Like my parents, I remember watching my parents be like furious at my brother because he didn't pass the drug test for, and I think it, I don't remember what, what branch it was, but yeah. And, but that's, that's one of the things that like I've, there are very, very few things in life that I regret. And I, I honestly, I can't think of anything else other than I didn't at least try to get past <laughs> it because like, and I have such a huge heart for the military. My dad was a military, like I've got military family and everything like that. And it's just one of those things that just it really bothers me, but I'm super glad that I've got this, this platform to where I can help I can help on the other side, hopefully. Yeah, dude, um, I have to tell you this. I have to tell you this. Two day, a day before graduation, I left graduation rehearsal to go drink with a bunch of friends. Yeah. And we got drunk at my house like an idiot. And then we went <laughs> to some other friend's apartment. And then somehow we were hanging out outside smoking cigarettes or whatever. We got locked out of the apartment. So it was like a bunch of drunk 
high school kids. So we start kicking the door down. The cops come. I get arrested. Oh, no. I have family in town for my graduation. And when the cops called home, my aunt picked up <laughs> and pretended to be my mother. And she's like, I'll come get him. And the cop was a former Marine. Okay. So, like, I kind of didn't get charged. He's like, you're yeah. lucky you're going type thing. And whatever. Yeah. I walked in graduation. My parents didn't even find out about this till like, forever. It was like. Oh, my gosh. I know, man. So, I'll never, ever forget. <laughs> That's funny. So, so you, you joined, you joined the Marines, uh, and what year was that? That was, that was, uh, 1998 and I went in as a private, like the lowest possible you can go in as. Yeah. Uh, and then were you planning on staying for 17 years and making a career out of it or what, what happened? No way, man. Um, I said to myself, I need some discipline. I need some money for college yeah. and I just need to get my act together. So my intent was four years and I'm out. Like yeah. I absolutely felt like I was going to game the game. Like I'm going to do four years and I'm out. Peace, you know, whatever. Yeah. And it's weird, man, because like a lot of post nine 11, um, enlist enlisted personnel or, or people who joined the military. I mean, like there's a purpose, Like we were in peacetime, man. Like I was yeah. just making a decision that I had to do with myself so get to year three-ish, and we're in Japan, and I'm in Okinawa, and one of my buddies comes down the stairs. He's like, Rich, like, would it be weird if a plane crashed in the World Trade Center? Yeah. I'm like, yeah, like, there's no way, blah, because I'm from the East Coast and, and New Jersey. So, so we run up the stairs, and then literally there's a bunch of us in a room, Marines, and then we watch the second plane hit, and then we're like, fuck. Yeah. And I mean, like, after that, we watched a couple more minutes. Uh, we got a couple hours of sleep, and then we're packing our shit, and we're getting on a boat. And um, we ended up doing nothing because it was obviously super, supremely early. Right. Uh, you can't just, like, go do – like, we're going to go take – I mean, it's, it's just not like that. So at that point, uh, after we got on ship, I, I reenlisted on ship um, er, a little bit early, actually, like, before I was even technically allowed to. And I was just like, I'm staying yeah it's weird man it, w- it was really weird like it, it immediately became less about my agenda and more about everything else because i mean obviously nothing like that had ever happened here before i mean obviously pearl harbor but like in my generation mm-hmm. I've never seen anything like that um that devastating so the choice was easy yeah and then so you were there and fast forward to 2015 and yeah. what what was the decision to check out and, and transition yeah. out? Like straight up, straight up, straight up. Uh, I wanted to stay in San Diego. Okay. <laughs> so <clears throat> what happened was uh, I was uh, stationed at Camp Pendleton, and I had been there for quite some time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, a bunch of us were. And my time was kind of coming up um, where – I just kind of knew I was going to get orders. I wasn't flying anymore because I had like a medical condition that prevented me from flying uh, that, that came up. And I was a year into getting my MBA from USC. And I'm like, okay. And I, and I talked to my CEO, who's still a mentor of mine. He's like, no, no one's going to care, you know, that you have a year left with your MBA here at USC. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you might get orders to 
wherever. So in my head, I'm like, Okinawa, 29 Palms, which is, you know, horrendous. Yeah. Anywhere. And I was just like, you know what? Like, I just want to do me. And I had no ambivalence towards the Marine Corps whatsoever. I was just really trying to prepare myself for the transition, which was why I was getting an MBA, because I was extremely fearful that I wasn't going to be marketable if I got out at um, 3839, you Mm -hmm. know, so for whatever reason. Um, so, uh, I decided to get out, got, get out. I mean, it was the best 17 years ever of my life. And, and it was exactly on my retirement day. I had spent exactly half of my life in the Marines. It was crazy. Wow. (laughs) So, um, I made the decision to get out just because I just wasn't sure. Like it's kind of predictable how your career progression will go, but mine was a little bit, um, no, I'm not sure. I, I just wasn't sure how it was going to roll out. Like I now was not going to be on a typical pipeline. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just made a decision for myself and decided to stay in California. And I was very happy with that decision. So it, it literally was that simple. Just I just wanted to stay where I was. Okay. And so out you, you get out of the Marines uh, and then talk to me about – because the next couple of years were – a lot of, if I remember correctly, a lot of self-discovery and a lot of figuring out who you are outside of the Marines and what you actually wanted to do. Talk to me about that process. One of my really good friends, Claude, says it seems like coming out of the military is like coming out of the womb. Um, is this Claude Silver? Yeah, oh, yeah. She's amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she's like, it seems like it's like you're coming out of the womb. And I'm like, it, it kind of is. Um, everything is rigid and I don't mean rigid as in you need to conform. I just mean like you just kind of know where you exist in the military. And when you come out, it's just this eye opening experience. And now all of a sudden I need to fucking like sell myself, you know, to companies or people. Um, you know, there's language barriers and I mean, dialogue barriers that is, you know what I mean? Like the lingo, uh, prepping your resumes over and over. And there's a lot of good transition programs out there, but I just, it is just an enormous undertaking to sort of like reinvent yourself, so to speak, and and really figure out what you want to do. Because if it's Rich the pilot, it doesn't necessarily mean I want to fly. If it's Anne the logistician, it doesn't mean she wants to do that. What if she wants to be an athletic trainer for children? I mean, I don't know. It, it, you just don't know. Mm-hmm. But what you think is, <clears throat> I need to get something now. Like yeah. you want rush. Like you cannot fathom unless you are a senior military member who's going to collect amazing retirement you cannot fathom not having a kind of guaranteed paycheck so to speak um so one you need you know like there's just like this fear of just like, i need to get something so it usually leads down to a road of you doing something that you really don't give a shit about yeah and then two like it's just like you're under duress in a way um because of money like and it doesn't matter if you have like three months saved because you and i both know we could take up to six months to get a fucking job yeah so it's really really difficult so the self-discovery as you put it for me was like i knew where i stood and now i'm just like here Hmm. and i i just like i had no idea what i wanted to actually do and I mean, and I said it uh, when I was at Deloitte, like I got an MBA because I felt like I needed it. Like I actually have not used 
any of it, and it has nothing, <laughs> you know, it's, it's nothing to do with the, the the school. But like, dude, I just I was afraid, and I'm like, I need something. So um, it's very tumultuous, man. Like, and it really fucks with your head. Mm-hmm. You know your value, and now you need to see how I can transfer these skills into something Greg's really going to like. And I got to be this fucking idiot on this, you know, job interview and super fluffy when I know they're not being transparent with me, you know, like we, we, we pigeonhole ourselves into making sure we meet specs and roles and responsibilities. And then like, we see that we don't meet two or three of them. And then we're like, well, there's no way I could do that. And the next thing you know, you're looking at entry level shit. Mm. And the problem is, I, and I said this to uh, the service members. I'm like, you are not entry level talent. You know, you are not like everything you've done, whether it's been four years or 20 years you've been in, like you have experienced things that a lot of people will never experience. And I, I think one thing we do is devalue ourselves significantly. And then it mm-hmm. all back to what I was saying about being in a rush, making sure we have income, making sure we have something. If I'm a provider and all of a sudden it's like, hey, and like, uh, I'm not sure how I'm going to provide. I will just take this job because it pays. Yeah. You know, and then, and then, then you find yourself down a road where you're unhappy. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that makes complete sense. I feel like a lot of people, even outside of the military, like if they are a part of a layoff or something like that, and all of a sudden they're like six months down the road, they're like, I still don't have a job. Like, I don't know what I'm going to do. And they end up almost taking just whatever, just so that they could have something. Because they yeah. they have to keep kids fed, they and clothed, and in school, and like all that stuff. And it's just, it's a, it's, it screws with you for sure. Um, and so when you, you get out of the military, you, you realize like one, you don't have this group identity anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have to kind of figure out what your new identity is and who your people are how did you go through that like what outside of the just the the job search how did you figure that out um here's what we veterans do we really really don't like to ask for help Mm -hmm. (laughs) like i don't want to bother people yeah i am self-sufficient I was a Marine. I was a Marine pilot. I made it from private to captain. Like, I got this. I know how to negotiate. I know how to write a resume. I know how important I am. And that is the furthest thing from the truth uh, in terms of looking at asking for help as a weakness. It's actually a strength. Yeah. Okay. Like, you need to, uh, someone mentioned this to me recently, like, collect the dots and then connect the dots. Hmm. And that's, that's like so important. I, I mean, establishing a network prior to getting out is the biggest and most important thing you could do. And that is something I thought I did well, but I didn't, man. Like I literally felt good if I just talked to a couple veterans on LinkedIn who were in some prominent companies and I got to have an informational interview. And then I, for some reason I was like, Oh, that's not checking the box. Like I'm doing informational interviews. Um, so, you know, Asking for help is the biggest thing. And, and and what I mean by asking for help is using some of the resources out there of, of someone who's going to review your resume and be like, red ink the shit out of it. And just, this, yeah. is, this is terrible. 
like Greg doesn't know how big a platoon is. Mm-hmm. You know, Greg doesn't know what it means that you were in charge of the legal office at Mag Thirty Nine. <laughs> like, right. you know, things like that. So, translating the language is big. So that was really something I kind of slept on. Um, and it's important that veterans are don't feel like the entitlement of people somehow understanding what we did or what we do. Like that, that responsibility is on us. You know, I need to know my audience. Like, if you're interviewing me, I need to make sure it's crystal clear that I can explain what I did in in a normal language. Hmm. The second thing is, I think veterans should talk to people one, two, or three years removed out instead of trying to talk to like the senior VP of wherever who is a retired colonel or, or lieutenant colonel. And the reason is. Um, they're much more highly vested in that job. They're not a higher paying position or if they've been out for 15 years, they're just so much further removed. Like someone like me who's three years out, like I could give you a lot of insight. So like you have to find the people. At, I mean, and this is normal civilian networking as well. Like talk to the people at somewhere you want to work. Mm-hmm. Find out. And and the reason I say talk to the people who are, have not are, are not far removed it's because I truly believe they're going to be a lot more transparent with you. You know, they're just going to yeah. be like, they're going to be like, all right, dude, like, I work nonstop. I have no work-life balance. Or the culture here is awesome. I had, I'm making less than what I was, but I think I'm going to like move up pretty fast because I'm, you know, I'm using my leadership skills on a daily basis to, or leadership skills on a daily basis to, you know, help the business run. Uh, so I think. That's it. So what I didn't do, man, was use enough of the resources because I had too much pride. Uh, We are very proud of what we accomplished. And all of a sudden, coming out and having to ask for a ton of help is just, it's just not normal behavior for us. So that's like a huge one, a huge one. So uh, I would say that was definitely something I I wish I could have done a little bit better. Yeah. And so in asking for help and reaching out to people and starting to do the collecting the dots and then connecting the dots, as you called it, mm-hmm. is that how you eventually figured out what your new identity was? Or is that how you figured out what you actually wanted to do? Or how? Because, I mean, you, you went through, you got out, you went to, I think it was Victory Media, and then you went to Amazon, uh, and then now you're kind of doing your own thing, right? I'm freelancing right now. I've, I've actually never been happier. Um, and I'm, I'm not an advocate for that. I just realized there was something I realized. I was like, I don't know if I could work for people right now. <laughs> yeah. know? I just I just don't. Uh, I, and and I'm, I feel like now I'm truly reinventing myself. Now, when you asked about, like, how did I figure it out? I, I, I want to say very, very clearly that it is absolutely okay. Even if you've done your homework and informational interviews, you had a good interview experience, you have good bosses, it is absolutely okay if you're just like, not for me. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't know, man. Like, you, you haven't been able to test out different flavors of ice cream throughout your military career, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, this is the time. And I think we're all in such a rush, like, as if there's some sort of hourglass and, like, I, I got to jump into something that I'm going to stay doing for 10 years. Like, it's just not like that. You are an individual who lives only once and you need to kind of figure out what it is you want to do. And sometimes it involves taking significant risks and maybe doing a little bit of 
job, I don't want to say job jumping, but just, I don't know what the word is, like job gauging, you know, kind of just figuring out what it is. So you may not like what you're doing after six months or a year, and that is completely okay. I think everyone is so scared of the perception. Um, and, you know, millennials do it all the time, so veterans are no different. Like, if, if just take the time to figure out what you want to do. So that is completely, I would say, normal. So for me, when I was at Victory and I was doing um, kind of like this this consulting or sales consulting, you know, it was okay, and, and I was independent. I was happy because I was remote and I was in San Diego, uh, and I got to interact with a lot of people at some awesome companies. So that, that was cool, you know, and then I had to, I just realized, this is going to sound ridiculous, but like, I had to wear a suit whenever I traveled, and I, <laughs> I, just, I don't know, man, like, I just like, I was like, oh, man, dude, like. I'm just, I just, I thought that's what I wanted. I yeah. thought I was super sharp all the time and whatever, but I actually hate wearing dress socks. <laughs> <laughs> that's know I mean? awesome. You know what I mean? Like, dude, and, and, and. So you give I, your two weeks, their boss is like, what, what's going on? I just don't like dress socks. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and I just didn't, I, I realized very, very quickly that I didn't like to like sell. Uh, yeah. I don't. I don't feel like a salesy guy. I just. I. I really believe in pure, like, authentic interactions, and that has worked out so well for me recently. Um, so that I realized I didn't want to do Amazon um, again. So I actually got an offer for them months prior, and I declined it. Mm-hmm. Um, and why did I decline it? Because I talked to plenty of people, and they're just like, "Dude, like, I don't. I don't think you. Are you sure?" And and then I read the Glassdoor reviews, and I, I was like, uh, I don't know. And, and, and some, some of the people I talked to on the interview process, I mean, I'm glad I did well, and I got an offer very, very quickly. But some of the people I talked to, I just felt, <laughs> I just didn't detect, like, enthusiasm. I, I, I don't know. I, and, I mean, that meant something to me. Yeah. So I declined it. Fast forward a few months later, and then Anne uh, and I are having a baby. And I'm like, hey, would you guys still take me? They're like, here's a list of available places. And yeah. I'm like, eight minutes later, I'm like, I'll go to San Marcos, Texas, because it's close to Austin. And that was it. So it was, it was very much a financial decision. Um, and then, you know, operations. I mean, it seemed like it was in my wheelhouse. And I, and I will say that when I got there, very intense, very fast paced, a lot of decision making. Uh, but that was my real, true, true, true first uh, exposure to like kind of like the corporate hierarchy, politics, you know, and and that kind of thing. And there was just a point where uh, I felt like work performance didn't matter as much to others as I thought it did. Mm-hmm. And um, and for me, leading so many people. And having, I mean, literally, I just got a text last night from a process assistant I used to work with, and they said, you know, I don't know if this is appropriate to say, but the culture has completely changed without you, and the only people that are investing in me the way you did are people that model their careers after you. And I'm not saying that narcissistically. Mm -hmm. I'm saying that, Greg, because I just realized I couldn't play that game. Like, I was climbing a ladder I didn't even want to be on, and I didn't know it. And all I did was just focus on the people. Like, I want to make sure everyone that comes in contact, veterans should look at it like this way anyway. Like, you have so much to offer. Like, 
you should make it your goal that anyone that comes in contact with you or works for you, with you, whatever you want to call it, that they look at that as a positive experience. And if you dedicate your work to making their work a positive experience, the impact, the productivity, the results, like they just come. It's not new. So I, as much as I loved all the people I tried to be mentors to and have an impact on, um, I knew to ascend was going to be not only challenging, but I'm not even sure if I'm going to enjoy that process, right? Like you cannot want to have a six pack without counting calories and wanting to, you know, do an hour in the gym every day. Mm-hmm. But like you, you have to, you have to like the process. And I was not enjoying the process whatsoever. So that was it. And then here I am and I'm just doing some crazy random fun shit now. <laughs> <laughs> so do you feel like you have figured your identity out completely yet or is that still in process? I think for everyone it's, it's always like a work in, proce- uh, work in progress, but I, I know my identity is, is, is this. Um, <clears throat> I'm just going to share it. Yeah. Um, so, so when I met Gary Vaynerchuk uh, the other day and I had a one-on-one with him for five minutes, uh, everyone was like, dude, what are you going to ask? What's your plan? And as soon as I sat my ass in the chair across from him, I go, Gary, I go, everyone told me, make sure I have a good ask, you know, like get to the point really quick, make sure you have a plan. And, and I was like, and I just think that's stupid. He's like, good. He's like, let's just talk about the truth. (laughs) And I'm like, the truth is, thank you. Blah, blah, blah. You've inspired me and all this other stuff. And I told him what I'm going to tell you, which I I just never really have said publicly, um, is that uh, in my last four years in the Marines, uh, I lost around 15 friends. Hmm. Um, And some closer than others, some I was in college with, some were an executive officer. Um, Some were Marines I would see all the time, but like to me, they were friends because it was inevitable that we've had flights together or things of that nature. Um, and it was really challenging. Now everyone has like their veteran combat stories. Okay. Like I was not on the ground, uh, but flying is a very, very dangerous job. So in a lot, I mean, much of what I'm discussing, uh, had nothing to do with combat. Like it was just failures and, and very intense training that we do. And sometimes there's accidents and mishaps and then it happens. So part of why I was a fucking asshole at Amazon to people above me was because I just did not detect that they cared about people in the way I feel like I do. Mm. So the reason I tell you that story is because it has affected every fiber of my being that you literally like can be surrounded by people and, and lose them in a very tragic way. So what is the best thing? Like, what is your best way to live? And, and I told Gary, I go, leadership development is, is all I care about. You know, like leadership. And, and I understand the relevance it has in the business place because of retention and training and onboarding costs and, and all that. But leadership development, I think, provides a substantial amount of self-worth to people 
who do not believe they're actually capable of leading other human beings. And all it is foundationally is just relationships. But losing people just kind of made me realize that we have to capitalize on the opportunity that we have while we're here. Mm-hmm. And, and, and for me, since we're going to spend a shit ton of time at work, <laughs> like why not make it an exceptional experience? How can I help? And it's leadership development. That's, that's how I look at it. And as far as, you know, do I have it all figured out? Like, no. Uh, but I know that's what it is. Like, core, 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 core rich is, is that. Mm-hmm. Um, not controlling processes and process improvements and all this other stuff. Like, I could do it. I could do anything if you teach me. But that's what I, that's, that's why I take it so serious. Mm. So that's, that is, when did that happen? When did you sit down with Gary? Uh, today, Wednesday? Yeah. Uh, a week ago. Wow. <laughs> I know, it was ridiculous. Wow. Yeah, no, that's that's wild. And so you sat down with him, uh, weren't exactly sure what to say. No. He asked you, let's just talk about the truth. And your your truth was, like, everybody's going to die, which is something that Gary says. Like, you're going to die. Mm-hmm. And so the in your mind right now and in your heart, you feel the greatest impact that you can make before that happens is developing people. Yeah, or helping people learn how to develop people. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. That's, yeah, yeah that's, that's a very cool realization. And it's something that really resonates with me and why I started Next Level People. Uh, And the more I dive into that space, the more I realize that, one, I cannot effectively lead. I can manage people. I can manage and tell them this is what you have to do at this time by this date. Uh, But in order to effectively lead them, I have to learn how to lead myself first. Yes. And I think that's something that as far as leadership development goes, a lot of times they start with the wrong level. They start with, this is how you manage people. Uh, And learning how to lead yourself well and discipline yourself well is such a huge piece of the puzzle that I'm diving into right now. Uh, And it it takes a while to, to... I mean, you got to go through stuff. You got to, yeah. you have to be super introspective. You have to be super honest with yourself because if you're not going to be honest with yourself, there's no point. Like if you want to fool yourself into thinking that you are absolutely amazing and you're going to be the next Gary Vaynerchuk or, yeah. or whatever, like people aren't going to buy it. Eventually you're not going to buy it either. And, and not eventually, you probably aren't buying it in the like very, very quickly, like before other people realize it. Um, so, so what does that look like for you now? Yeah, go for it. You said being honest, like, I I like to say unflinchingly honest, man. Mm -hmm. It takes, I mean, you're so, so right about being introspective. Like, like, who are you trying to fool, man? Like, just, just, just don't just strip it away. Call a spade a spade. And I just think it accelerates your ability to grow as an individual if you stop fucking around. 
Yeah. Unflinchingly honest. Yeah. And it's it's like it's tough too because unflinchingly honest is is like a very sexy phrase, right? Like everybody wants to be that like I just say exactly what the truth is. Um, but when it comes down to it, I mean, like, I mean, take it to something fairly basic, like a salary conversation or salary negotiation or whatever. You have a number in your mind. A lot of times people don't say that number. A lot of okay. times people, they, in that moment of when they're supposed to be unflinchingly honest or be, have that brave conversation with the person that's being a dick at work, <laughs> uh, they, they chicken out because they choose the path of comfort over progress. And that's the complacency is, I mean, there, I don't know where this quote comes from. I should just look it up, but complacency is the thief of joy. Uh, and it's so true. If you are, if you would rather be comfortable and complacent then one, you probably aren't going to get the salary you want. What two, you're probably going to stick with a job that you hate for years. Just, yeah because you don't want to take the jump to either another company or entrepreneurship or fill in the blank with whatever. I mean, you might not get the, the spouse, the girlfriend or the boyfriend because you're like, ah, I just, I, they're not going to like me. And there's like, there's so many applications to this. And I'm not saying that this is an easy thing, but what it comes down to is, I mean, rewind all the way back to the beginning when Rich was talking about, you know, a lot of times uh, Marines are very proud and they don't like asking for help and, and all this stuff. You have to strip away that pride. There's a humbling process, uh, but in that humbling process, you realize how powerful you actually are yeah. in just saying what you actually want. Yeah. Uh, and sometimes you got to say it uh, with compassion because sometimes saying what you want is not what somebody else wants uh and those conversations are hard you got to say it with love you can't be a jerk about it but but yeah that unflinching unwavering honesty there's so much power in that really is really really is um yeah it it, it takes practice like you said and, absolutely um i mean it's just something you can't rush and it just uh, I think there's a quote, uh, speak your voice or speak your mind, even if your voice shakes, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, same kind of, same kind of thing. But, um, it's, it is imperative in order to truly just get to where, you know, happiness is a state of mind. It's not, it's not like a place, like a finish line. Right. Mm -hmm. So how do you arrive at that state of mind? And I think knowing your truth, knowing your truth is always, is always the best way. Like I, I mean, I now learn money is just not incredibly important. Like, obviously I need to be able to support my family and, and whatever and we can work it out, but it doesn't play a part as much as I thought, like at all, mm -hmm. <laughs> like at all. Um, I mean, there's just so many things, but, um, but yeah, man. So it's, 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 it's a very, very interesting time. And exactly what you just talked about, like that's, I've, I've been able to uncover a lot of truths and I have never been, so in my mind like successful i'm literally just asking people hey could i talk to you and they're like, yeah i'm like okay <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome it's kind of crazy so yeah man uh, it's, it's been wild and so do you feel like these truths have always been truths you just forgot them 
in the transition period or where do you think that change happened if it did that's a really good question greg um I think it lives inside, but you don't, you shush that voice. You, you compartmentalize that voice. So Anne would see me miserable coming home. Mm-hmm. I'd be happy if like the team crushed it, but as an individual, I was just like, this, this sucks. I've been telling the story a lot recently, not, not story, but like, it was just a fact. Like sometimes I wouldn't see my daughter who's going to be two in a couple days. I wouldn't see her for like 48, 72 hours. Dude, like I cried at work a couple of times, man, because I'm just like, I just want to see my baby. Mm-hmm. And like, little did I know that my relationship with her was complete bullshit. She would see me a half hour, hour at a time because of the schedules. And now we're closer than ever. And it's just like the best. Like I just, I, I could not live without her. But anyway, you're asking like what you asked. Like I, I, I kind of put what was so overt to me. I just put it aside because I'm like, uh, we're in this enormous house in Austin, Texas. I need to be able to support us. Uh, and there, I mean, even my financial advisor's like, you got to stick it out to this year. And I'm just like, uh, I don't know, man. Like, I feel like I'm dying inside. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I swear to fucking God, dude. Like, I started getting gray hairs after I worked it. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, like, on my beard. Dude, and I'm just telling you. Like, uh, that could have happened anywhere, right? Right. But it was like, what? I was like, what is happening right now? So, uh, I think we are afraid to confront ourselves, man. Because... We are very worried about the second and third order effects that has on your family, your extended family, your friendships, your financial situation, your comfort level, your lifestyle, um, all these things. So, like, that's an example. And then, like, even just the other night, I was talking about how when I was in flight school, um, one instructor said something uh I don't know how we were talking about ethnicity, and I was like, oh, I'm Colombian. And he goes, oh, so your family is a bunch of drug dealers? <laughs> I'm like, I know. This is an instructor, and he he's like notoriously known for being a dick. And I didn't say anything. Hmm. And I will, I mean, the fact that I mentioned it means I, I am like, unhappy that I didn't deal with it. So to answer your question, like you have to understand in those moments in our lives where we wish we could have done something different. Now I don't dwell on it. Like I don't beat myself up about it. I just try and figure out. So why didn't I say anything? Because he was going to be harder on me in the aircraft. Okay. So why didn't I just say, you know, like I don't appreciate the comment. And I would like to uh, reschedule my flight for, with someone else because then I would look like a pain in the ass flight student, you know, like, you know, all these scenarios. And then you just realize that that's just one brief moment in time. You know, mm-hmm. uh, we have a lot of time. So. So, yeah, man, I, I think it, it 
it, it exists. And when you don't compartmentalize it and when you don't uh, avoid it, I think just who you are and like exactly what you want to do and the type of way you want to serve, you know, or, or whatever it is on this planet, um, it just it just becomes a little bit easier. But yeah, you just have to ask yourself, why did I not have the courage to say, yeah, like, I'm sorry, I can't take 80K, like, right. Um, I'm at 95, you know, or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Why? Like, what prevented you? And, and I think those questions, uh, if you can't answer them yourselves, that's when you tap into your mentors. That's when I could be like, Greg, man, like, I completely blew this. Do you have any insight? And you'll be like, I see it all the time. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, oh, who knows? Right. So that's when you enlist the help of other people. Yeah. No, I, I, something that you touched on uh, that if we pair it with the idea of um, being unflinchingly honest, you've got to be unflinchingly honest with yourself and you have to ask questions to yourself. You have to like, why did I do that? Or if like somebody says something that like just pisses you off and you dwell on it for like a few hours, ask yourself, why am I angry? Is it them or is it like something with me? And then if you find out, oh no, the root is something inside of me, I should, that's like, because again, you cannot control the flight instructor saying that about your family. Like (laughs) you cannot control anything that he says. You can control how you react. You can control how long you think about it. You can control, you can, one of the things, so, worst boss I ever had in my entire life was extremely demeaning, made fun of me for every (laughs) single thing you could imagine. Like it was, it was insane. But like, it was kind of the same thing where like, I don't want to be, I don't want to stand out. I don't want to, uh, like I, this is a great job. I'm getting paid really well, like all this stuff. Uh, and ended up, uh, getting let go from that job. And I was angry with him for a long time and I had to just in my mind say you know what I forgive him I'm not going to let this affect me anymore and it was tough it was really hard like and I had to like re-forgive him a million times over just because like something would pop up in my head where I'm like I'd, I'd get in that like downward spiral of just being pissed off at this guy for something that he did and and realizing like he isn't thinking about me anymore. Like he like literally he's a dick, but he is not thinking about any of this stuff. And so by me dwelling on it more, I'm giving him power that he does not deserve over my mind. And so asking yourself why you're feeling that way, why you acted that way. And even when you think you're right, but somebody is pissed off at you for something you did, ask yourself why, why is that? Like, is there a shred of truth in what they say? And you might come to the fact that, nope, they're just being an idiot and I am right still. And that's fine. But being brutally honest with yourself is such a powerful thing. So uh, we're coming. We're Oh, okay. I, I just need to say this, man. Like, do it. Do it. I've, I've done that. Like, mm-hmm. I have two bosses I always think about and I, like, hate them. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. And it's crazy how much I think about them more than I think about the positive ones. But um, the reason I'm telling you this is because I mentioned it to Gary and I go, I loathe bad leaders. Mm -hmm. He goes, that's your flaw. I'm like, what? He goes, that's your flaw. 
because you're judging. He goes, you know, learn to stop doing that. He's like, you're going to see some crazy stuff happen. And I was like, like, whoops, there's my alarm too. Uh, I'm like, yeah, I mean, it was kind of simple and we elaborated a little bit more, but I was like, wow, dude, just like you. Yeah. I think about these people and it's almost like I have this vendetta and I want to show them, you know, and I'm like, you suck and I was right, but you're so right, man. Like, they're not thinking about you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's wild. Yeah. But so in, in kind of closing, if the, the entire rest of the episode up until this point got deleted for some crazy technical issue and somebody is listening, a veteran that is in the same job for the past two years that they absolutely hate, or it's somebody that's transitioning, whatever you think is the, the greatest truth that you want somebody to hear in that situation, what what is that you want them to hear? We come from a place where we volunteered to protect other people, even if that meant putting ourselves ourselves in harm's way. So it involves a level of comfort and not being afraid, uh, being able to dispose of fear, being able to welcome the unknown, uh, no matter how dangerous it could be. Mm-hmm. If you are in a job that you hate for two years, tap back into that ability to dispose of fear. Don't overthink it. Go after what you want. Be true to yourself and just be prepared to put in the work to get to where you want to be, not where you think you should be. And I think that can really, really help. That's awesome. That's a really solid point. Awesome, man. Well, I appreciate you. I love that we've been able to take this what, 45, 50 minutes and just yeah. kind of chat and laugh and yeah. all yeah. that stuff back and forth. If somebody, if you want somebody to connect with you, where, where can they do that? Uh, Instagram, uh, you can find me at Flybys Media. Uh, LinkedIn, I'm Rich, uh, Rich Cardona. Uh, Facebook, Flybys Media as well. And uh, richcardona.net if you just want to see any of my blogs, uh, YouTube channel or YouTube episodes, whatever, um, all that kind of stuff. And yeah, like any any veterans out there, like please please hit me up. Uh, if I can't help you out, I, I'm sure I know people who can. So yeah, that's where you can find me. Beautiful. All right, Rich. Thanks so much, man. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you.